This episode is brought to you by Zero Shoes, a company that is perfectly named. Why? Because when you're wearing their shoes, you feel like you're walking around completely and totally barefoot. AKA, like you're not wearing any shoes. AKA, like you are wearing zero shoes. Now, we've all heard the benefits of barefoot training, but who wants to walk into a gym without any shoes on your feet? First of all, it's gross, and second of all, it's disgusting. Now, the other benefits of zero shoes is not only are they functional, but they're also fashionable. So, you've seen many a time people walk in the gym with these minimalist shoes and they look like a freak. Not with zero shoes. You're going to blend right in. Also, they have a wide toe box so that your toes are not all scrunched together in the front like they normally are with any standard training sneaker or cleat. Now, to get your shoes, go to zeroshoes.com slash go slash Mahoney AT. Again, that's zeroshoes.com slash go slash Mahoney AT. And that zero is spelt with an X. It is X-E-R-O. Again, I'll say it again. It's X-E-R-O. Get your zero shoes today. Welcome to the episode of 6 Minute Monday where I give you six tips and tricks to make you more efficient and effective in the weight room, the boardroom, and on a football field. And, and I'm going to give a recap of what happened at this weekend's Tag Team Challenge. So here we go. Tip number one. It is the right way to load plates. Now, if you're loading weights or plates on a barbell, what I like to do, and maybe this is black magic, maybe this is an old wives' tale, but I like to load the plates face in. What's the face for all the newbies out there? The face is the part that has the, the company's logo. It has the, the amount of weight that you're using. Maybe it says it in pounds. Maybe it says it in kilograms. I don't care. It's got all this etching on it. You put that part in. It's facing the sleeve of the barbell. What's the sleeve of the barbell? It's the part that is actually uh, where the weight moves up against. That's the, the sleeve of the barbell. You put it right there. You make sure it's hitting right against that sleeve. Also for the newbies, don't load all the weight on one side and then start loading all the weight on the other side. The barbell's going to flip over. Anyway, let's assume that you and your friend are loading a barbell. You're both putting the weight on at the same exact time on either side of the bar. You put the heaviest weight first. You put the lightest weight towards the outside. So let's say you're going to bench press 295. You put one plate, bang. Put your second plate, bang. So those both 45-pound plates for anyone that knows what the, the traditional word of what a plate is. So that's two 45-pound plates, bang, bang, both of them with their face in. You would then put your 25-pound plate on next with the, with the face facing in, and then the 10-pound plate again with the face facing in. So b- the bottom line is on a barbell, you want the face facing in. You want the plates touching each other as much as possible. So as Billy Blanco says, there are no air gaps. We don't want air gaps. And again, we want the heaviest stuff as close to you as possible. Why? Because it makes it easier to lift. If the heavier weight is on the outside, right, that is going to be further away from your center of mass, and now it is really hard to lift that weight. It's why lifting with my dumbbell in my garage, I showed it to a couple guys this weekend, it's hard because that dumbbell is long, and the weight is getting further away from my center of mass. So with a barbell, you want the biggest weights on the inside, you want everything as close as possible, and you don't want any air gaps. Also, so why the face in versus the face out? At least in my mind. Again, I don't know if it's a wives' tale. I don't know if it's black magic. But I feel like if you have the face in, the part of that inward face, right, there's a a little bit of texture to it. I want it to butt right up against that sleeve of that barbell that we use, and it won't move. If it moves, if it shakes, then we're going to have problems, and that's just more chaos that's going on while I'm lifting. And when I'm lifting, I want to lift as much weight as possible, and I want to eliminate that chaos. Now. Let it, let's, uh, let's go in a different direction. If I'm outdoors and I'm working with a sled, the question came up this week, why wouldn't we do the same exact thing? Why wouldn't we load that sled? I'm not talking about a prowler here. I'm talking about a sled. Why wouldn't we load that sled with the phase down? 
And I'll give you my selfish reason why. Because not everybody's got hands like Joe Sarno, right? Joe Sarno's got these, I don't know, I don't even know what you call them. These giant, strong hands. It's hard if you load all the plates face down to get those weights off of the sled. Now look, there's other ways to do it. You can pick the sled up and dump all the weights, but... If we're moving things around and I don't want somebody to get a plate on their foot, it's easier if you put the face up because now you've got etching, you've got surface, it's not as slick, there's this texture to some of it where you are now able to pick up that plate a lot more easily. The other hack, if you wanted to, was to stagger the weight and not by not having all the same heavy weights at the bottom. So you can go like 45, 25, 45, 25, 45, 25, right? That would help you more easily be able to get a grip on that weight to get it off of your sled. Because someone, someone could say, Coach, well, what, do you, what about keeping all the weight, the heavy, heavy weights together? And what about the center of mass? And what about making sure it doesn't shake? Well, when I'm outdoors, I don't care. I want it to shake. It's our form of chaos training where I don't want stabilization. I want things going all over the place. I want that to be the bridge from the weight room to the field, right? It's not exactly like what you're doing in a game of football or basketball, but it's closer. It's a little closer when things are shaking around and things are moving. So for me, I want stabilization when I'm in a gym. I want chaos when I'm on the field, at least when I'm loading weight onto a barbell. Okay, I'm not even going to get into all the other crazy things we did in a gym because you guys may question me on it. But for right now, keep that in mind. That's why I say face in in the gym, face up on a sled. Okay, we're going to go to tip number two, something I am experimenting with. Two things, actually. One, I just left my home gym, and what I just did in my gym, which is a garage in Staten Island, which also uh, functions as my actual, like, my tool shop, where my furnace is, my water heater. Yeah, welcome to Staten Island. This is not a detached garage. I don't have ample space, but I did leave a pathway. It's probably, like, six yards long by three yards wide. That's how long the pathway is. And today, because it was raining... And I hate training in the rain, as I've said time and time again. What I did was I did my full movement training session in my garage. I never actually did that before. Lived here for, I don't know, 15 years. I did some basic stuff, but I did a full movement training session. Did the whole thing. Was able to get my single leg fires in. Was able to get my bounces, my strides. It was a shorter distance, but I had to get clever. I had to get creative. Now, I've often told this to the guys that we train. Like you, you, The way we train... There are times where you don't need a lot of space to train, and sometimes you just got to get rid of that excuse. If you wake up and you're supposed to have a movement training session, all you need is six yards by three yards. I got it all in. Full, complete workout. Man, pumped up. I can't even say I experimented with it. Experimenting with it because I did it, so now it is now in my toolbox. The other thing that I am experimenting with is I spoke about this last week, that when you're hanging from a bar after you work out to get rid of impingement, to decompress the spine... Something that I've now also added this week is now I will pick one leg up, keep the other leg down. While the one leg is up, I will do ankle rotation. So if my my right leg is up and my left leg is hanging, I have my right leg up where my quad is in like a 90 degree angle to my body, or maybe it's parallel to the floor, whatever's easy for you to figure out. And I do ankle rotations with my right ankle. Then I will switch it up, put the left leg up, and do ankle rotations with my left ankle. I'm just trying to add a little more to it because I'm getting a little bored hanging. I'm trying to see, uh, I don't know, can I also get some ankle mobility in while I'm there? It also doesn't make it more challenging to move a little bit while you're hanging from the bar. Okay, tip number three, a quote that I'm thinking about. I heard this on a Joe Rogan podcast. It was from Joe Rogan. He was talking to uh, Andrew Schultz, who I think is a very funny comedian. 
and they were they were talking about the process of creativity and they were talking about they don't know if they can ever have a job where they had to be a writer for other comedians say they were a writer on SNL where they couldn't be fully creative now I don't know what the case is of what creativity is like for a comedian but Joe Rogan said this is the quote that's like eating plain oatmeal for the rest of your life you can live if you ate plain oatmeal every single day and that's the only thing you ate you'd be alive but you would you really enjoy life so I'll say that again. It's like eating plain oatmeal every day for the rest of your life. Now, what does that mean to me? Well, it means to me is if you're going to work or you're going to coach somewhere or you're going to be part of something where you cannot be creative, you have to hold everything back. You have to live someone else's vision. You can't say what you want to say. I'm not saying be rude or mean to people or be offensive to people or harm other people. I'm saying about the creative engine, right? Your creative idea, your innovations. If you have to hold that back and you're just moving along, you want to tow the the company line and not get in trouble and don't do anything too great, don't do anything too risky, yeah, you can get around. You can have a, a job for the rest of your life. You can get paid. You'll have a hopefully a 401k. But would it be like eating oatmeal? Every day for the rest of your life. Plain oatmeal. Not even good. Not even like that uh, maple and brown sugar I used to get from Quaker Oats. Boy, that was good. Anyway, don't eat that stuff anymore. But eating plain oatmeal every day for the rest of your life. Think about that. Think about it. Is that what you want your life to be? Okay, tip number four. Tip number four is something I am watching that's moving me. It's actually on Netflix now. And it is a mini-series on one of my favorite books ever. I will teach you to be rich. Yeah, great book. I read that book, I think, a couple years after I got out of college. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I actually went to go talk to uh, kids at Tottenville High School a few weeks ago, and I said, you got to read. You got to read books. Every CEO is out there reading books trying to get better. I don't. I know it's tough. You're in high school. You got homework. I get it. When I was in high school, somebody told me to read another book. I would have thrown that book at him. But if you want to take it to the next level, you got to read. But people don't have time to read or people don't want to read. So if you don't want to read, I would highly recommend you watch on Netflix I will teach you to be rich because it's going through exactly and even more new and improved methods that are in the book. I will teach you to be rich. All right. And it's your rich life. It's not my rich life. It's how you can live a rich life for you. It's how you can get out of debt. It's how you can buy the things that you want to buy without feeling guilty. It's how you can stay away from buying things that can be a liability. And again, it's your rich life, not mine. I'm not saying you need to be, uh, I don't know, Steve Jobs. Elon Musk, billionaire. I'm talking about how to live your own personal rich life. It's worth a watch. If you want to watch it, you want to talk to me about it, let me know because that's how we grow when we watch, practice, discuss. Okay, tip number five. Tip number five, it's a productivity tip. This has to do with the field. Yes, if you want to be productive while using your farmer's walks because we use our farmer's walks every single Every single session, we're out there spending more time tightening the clamps, readjusting the clamps, making sure the weight doesn't fall off than we are actually carrying the weight. Two weeks ago, the workout was done. My right forearm was completely shot, not from carrying the farmer's walk, but from repeatedly, constantly, over and over again. Can I be more redundant? Tightening that clamp. Anyway, if you want to be productive, I highly recommend snap clamps. We experimented with them. I'm not going to say it never loosened up, but I am going to say that we did not spend the entirety of our workout tightening these things down. So, Mark Strange, excellent recommendation. I found these things on Shark Tank. Well, he sent me a clip of them on Shark Tank. I am now ordering an additional pair to put on our other set of farmer's walks, but it really made the workout quite 
enjoyable. So uh, we'll maybe experiment a little more, put on our, our other clamps and those snap clamps right after. We'll see. But, uh, man, it's, it's not perfect, but it's certainly better. Okay, tip number six, the weirdest thing that happened all week. I am in bed, right next to my bed. I keep the Theragun. Why is that? Because every morning I wake up and do my morning routine, which involves the Theragun, then the morning flex, then getting uh, water and sunlight. But every night I wake up, sorry, every night I keep the Theragun right next to my bed. I wake up, I don't know what time it is. I just know it's dark, and I know that my left hip is in insane amount of pain. It's insane amount of pain. Now, because I go to bed so early, Sometimes my wife goes to bed after me. Now, I don't know what time it is, and I do not want to look at my phone. You've, you've, you've heard me before say that I don't want to get that light in my eye and kind of reset my brain out of the sleep mode. So I don't want to look at my phone, and I don't want to look at my phone to see what time it is, and I don't want to look, put the light on her if she's there sleeping because I don't want the light there. So my room is pitch black. I don't know if she's there or not. And by the way, this is all stupid, by, by the way. There's many better ways to do what I did. So... I lean over, I pick up the Theragun. Why? Because I want to use the Theragun on my left hip because I am completely and totally cramping up. And I was going to use it real quickly if she was not in bed with me. <laughs> but then I'm like, let me just check. So I pick up the Theragun, and I, when you press the Theragun button, there's like a light way to press it. You just give it like a light click. Imagine like beeping your horn where you don't want to piss somebody off. You go, beep. Somebody's at a red light for like 10 seconds. You don't want to say you're a jerk. You go, beep. So you kind of click that Theragun, beep. And a light pops up on the Theragun, and I, I'm like, I'm going to use that light to see if my wife is in bed or if she's still downstairs watching TV. Because, again, I don't know what time it is. It could be an hour since I went to bed. It could be 10 minutes. I have no idea, but I woke up with a cramp. So I pick up the Theragun. Uh, I put it to where she would be laying in bed. I go, dip, but I didn't go, dip. <laughs> I went full blast, panned on the horn. Somebody's cutting you off. They won't stop cutting you off. They're going to run you off the road. Brrr, Theragun. Who's in bed next to me? My wife, Theragun, right to her head. <laughs> uh, apologies, Mrs. Mahoney. Very stupid by me. She's like, what the hell is going on? Turns out it was like 1 o'clock in the morning. So I thought it might have been in bed for 10, 10 seconds. No, I was in bed for a couple of hours. She was laying right next to me, and I put a Theragun to her head. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I'm laughing, because it's not funny, but try waking up at 1 o'clock in the morning with a Theragun to your head. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Mrs. Mahoney. She's not listening to this. She'll never listen to this, but I do apologize. Okay, now let's get into what happened at this weekend's Tag Team Challenge. So this weekend, what I wanted to do, it set off some uh, some rage from one and only one person in advanced training. Set off absolute rage. But what I wanted to do, this is my me being selfish. We're getting close to the end of our season. We are currently, we just wrapped up week 14. We got about four to five weeks left. There wasn't a lot of people eliminated, and I wanted to get more people eliminated, and I wanted to get more points on the board. I wanted to make this as interesting as possible, and I like to make it entertaining for me. These guys, I don't know, but for me, it's, it's entertaining. So what I did, I borrowed, as the great Les Spellman says, he's an inventor of nothing and a borrower of everything. I borrowed a thought from... The Physical 100. In The Physical 100, I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. It was a show on Netflix. Great, great show. But what they did was, at a certain point, they told them, look, there's going to be four events that your team has to compete in, and you guys have to pick the person in on your team to compete. And essentially, if you win, you win. If you lose, you're out. But you don't know who you're going to compete against. So now this team has to sit and debate who's going to do which of those four events. 
And it's really tough from a team perspective because, one, you got to make sure you're going to win. But, two, you don't know who you're going against, right? So maybe you're not that great at that whatever that event is, but maybe the people you're going to go against aren't that great either and you can win. And it's also it's like you and the rest of your team. So you have to think of yourself relative to your own team. Am I the best at this event on my team? And then think of yourself relative to the competitors you're going against. So how does this line up to what we did at Advanced Training? Well, I called it the Achilles Challenge. Why did I call it the Achilles Challenge? Because in the movie Troy, a couple of times... Achilles will fight one person to save many. So what does that mean? It means basically you pick your best guy, I'll pick my best guy, I win, the war's over, and no one else has to die. Right? You win, the war's over, and no one else has to die. So that's why I call it the Achilles Challenge. It was kind of a a bastardization because we didn't do it exactly that way. But what we did was we said, I said, there's going to be seven events. Seven events. Each team has to pick their own players, seven of their players to compete in each one of those events. No guy can compete in two events. So if you can't pick one guy to win all seven, that would be the true Achilles challenge. They pick one guy, you pick one guy, but that's not the case. I'm going to pick seven events. If you win your individual head-to-head event, remember this is still all part of the tag team challenge, but if you win that head-to-head event, you will get three points, just like if you win a head-to-head event after a tag team challenge. So if you win, you get three points. If you lose that head-to-head event, you get one point. And there will be no head-to-head challenge after that. So it's going to count like the head-to-head challenge that normally happens after a tag team challenge. So again, there's seven head-to-heads. Each team will put one person up in each head-to-head. And if you win, you get three points. If you lose, you get one point. And those points will go toward your standing. And if you only have one loss on the season, it'll count as your second loss. And now you are eliminated from head-to-head challenge for the rest of the year. If you already have two losses on the season, you're welcome because it's giving you one more opportunity to compete. You will still not be allowed in head-to-head challenges any other part of the season, but for right now, you are allowed. Okay, so is it fair? No, but life's not fair. Right, Armado? Life is not fair. So, seven head-to-head challenges. If you win, you get three points. If you lose, you get one point. And each team has to pick their people. But they will not know the other team's people until we line up on game day. So now, here comes the strategy. Here comes the strategy. You've got to pick who you think will win on your team, and you have to kind of guess who you think they're going to pick on the other team. All right, so who's the best relative on my team to each one of these events, and how do they relate to the other guys on the other team relative to themselves on these events? Oh, and by the way, if your team wins the best out of seven, that's why it was seven events, if your team wins, you get an additional three points. So picture this. You win your head-to-head, and your team wins. Not only do you get three points, you get six points. This can drastically move the standings in one day. So hence the entertainment, and this is exactly why I did it. I wanted this team plotting. In a way, they're plotting with each other, and in a way, they might be plotting against each other, right? In a way, I'll say that again. In a way, you're plotting with each other because we got to beat the other team. If we beat the other team, I'm getting my, four, I'm getting my three points. But you also got to plot against each other in a way, because if I win my event, I can get another three points, right? Or if we lose, okay, I don't get the, the three points from my team, but I get the three points from my head-to-head. So in a way, you're plotting with each other and against each other. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know if guys knew that. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But here comes the controversy. I tell the team captains, look, these are the seven events. Get with your team. Text me offline. Don't text everybody else. And you have to give this to me by 6 a.m. Saturday morning because at 6.30 a.m. we are rocking and rolling. So Bear Island, as usual, 
no problems, no controversy, no questions. Well, when I say Bear Island, I mean Pete Baraji. The guy is the consummate leader. Doesn't complain. Does what he needs to do. Gets his team in order. Guy's doing research on PowerPoints. Love it. Bear Island other times. Jimmy Uski is a pain in my butt. We'll get back to that later. Flayed man. Joe Moretzko, the captain. I, 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 he just tormented me for the last three days leading up to the event. He wants the order of events. Why? I have no idea. I think he didn't realize that because uh, his team traditionally does not have enough guys. I think he didn't realize that guys could not go twice. But he wants the order of events. Why won't you give me the order of events? You're making advanced training terrible. It's not fun anymore. It's not what it used to be. By the way, 10 years ago, uh, Mahoney would have been different. Look, 10 years ago, he was also fighting with me about stuff that I was making him do in the gym. So, typical Marechko matter. Uh, typical In typical Marechko manner, he is just, I don't know, badgering me all the last three days. What's the order? I'm, saying, I'm not giving you the order. It doesn't even matter what the order is. It doesn't matter because everybody has to go and they can't go more than once, right? It's, so, it doesn't matter. What, <laughs> it doesn't matter at all. So, I'm thinking the Flayed Man, this is just in my mind, they're going to show up with three or four guys as usual. But Joe Morechko actually turns out to be a great GM. Despite his badgering me, maybe that's part of his GM shtick, but he is a great GM. His team is awesome. When the guys show up, they're awesome. But they don't show up that much. They normally are rocking with about four guys. So if they're rocking with four guys, it's an immediate advantage to Bear Island. And Bear Island has been repeatedly saying to me, Coach, you're not making it fair for us when we have more guys. It's not fair. Once again, Jimmy Yuski, life's not fair. But today, I tried to make it a little fair. And what I wanted to see was if I did make it this quote-unquote fair, and it, give, it gave the Bear Island an advantage because they had more guys. And by the way, why is it important if you have more guys? Well, if one team has seven and the other team has four, and the team that has four can't have anybody go twice, well, the other team with seven guys automatically wins the three events. They automatically are up 3-0, right? And now it means that team with four has got to win all four. What I wanted to see, in my mind, walking in there, I was expecting four guys from the Flayed Man, and were they going to sweep Bear Island or not? That's what I wanted to see. But that never happened. Why? Because Joe Moretzko, I believe, got on the horn and made sure they got six dudes there. This might be a, a record for the Flayed Man that they had six guys at training. I haven't done the data or the fact-checking to back that up, but they had six guys there that day. So what does that mean? Well, Bear Island, in typical fashion, has seven. They have more guys. They get an automatic win. So they were supposed to be, one of the events was supposed to be, a 20-yard single-leg slider. Bear Island picked Galley. That's right, Galley, who's never lost a head-to-head since 2021, but he gets an automatic win. Now, he doesn't really get a win. Their team gets a win. He didn't get a win for not competing, but the team is already up. Right out of the gate, they're up 1-0. So whack. Bear Island's up 1-0. So let's go to event number two. It is a barbell hang or a, a pole hang for time. You're basically hanging like I do at the end every, every one of my workouts for time. So Bear Island picks Hesdra. The Flayed Man picks the uh, the new guy to the group, Maggio. And uh, it got interesting because I didn't realize who they were going to pick. And it's hard. You know, this we're going at the top of a, so- a soccer post, and it's who knows how high it is. I don't know if it's 10 feet, but you got to get up there. And we, they pick two of the not taller guys to get up there. And I'm like, how are you guys going to get up there? So Maggio gets out of one of the buckets I have. He almost kills himself. I'm like, all right, let's not do this. Let's use the rest of the teams to lift these guys up. And that is what we do. We're like a cheerleading squad. The rest of the team lift these guys up. They hang from the bar. 
and we go. Now, Maggio, he's a fireman. You can tell the guy looks he looks like he's shredded. He doesn't have like an ounce of body fat on him. You got Hezdra. The guy looks like, uh, I don't know, he should be competing, you know, on, uh, Mr. Olympia. Anyway, it, it's a great battle, but Hezdra, I guess he's like some sort of freak with hanging because Maggio, this is not like a bar and a gym where it's like small and cylindrical. This is a square, go top of a soccer goalpost at a public park. Right? It's hard to hold this onto this thing. Not to mention the workout we had. We were doing farmer's walks, which your hands should already have been fatigued. So Maggio puts up a respectable, like, 30... I'm sorry, Maggio puts up... I think he puts up a minute. Yeah, he lasted 62 seconds, which is sick. And Hezra, he looked like he had another 30 seconds left in him. So Hezra gets the win. Maggio gets the loss. Maggio, first loss in advanced training. Welcome to advanced training, but Hezra gets the win. So now, Bear Island is up 2-0. to zero. And I'm like, here we go! <laughs> Bear Island's up 2-0. They only have to win four games. Go to the next event. We're going to do a Farmer's Walk Hold for time. Farmer's Walk Hold for time. So, Bear Island picks Joe Derrida. Just a guy who likes to move heavyweight. And the Flayed Man picks none other than Joe Marechko. We load 160 pounds on the Farmer's Walk. 3-2-1 go. They pick it up. And just remember that Joe Marechko, he broke the, he broke the PowerPoints last year by carrying the Farmer's Walk like, I don't know, like 70 yards or something crazy like that. In fact, I'm going to look it up. There's been a lot of stat checking going on in advanced training to make sure that Coach Mahoney doesn't make a mistake. I'm going with my outdoor records right now. Joe Moretzko, 2022. How far did he get? Give me one second as I'm looking this thing up. I'll go this year. How far did he get? Moretzko went 40.5 yards. Let me go last year again. Apologies for the delay here, but there's going to be some fact-checking. Some guy's going to say, I made a mistake. Coach, you said the wrong thing. I'm going to the website. Here we go. His farmer's walk last year was 69 yards. So this guy, his grip is insane. So they go. We got two beasts head-to-head, and bang, who wins? Joe Marechko. So now, the flayed man, they're they're down. They're down, but they're only down 2-1. to one. So we go to the next event. The next event is... We're going to do a med ball throw. A med ball throw. Sardos. Sardo. I forgot to mention this, by the way. Sardo has been non-existent for months. He has an issue with his hip. I believe he was the number two pick in the draft by Joe Marechko. So the first pick was Galli by Baraji. The second pick was Joe Sardo. And now Sardo's out. So you make this great pick in the draft and the guy's not there. Anyway, Marechko does some negotiating, gets Sardo back. And Sardo is now going to be in the medicine ball throw. And Sardo's like, listen, coach, can me and Baraji... Sorry, he's going against Baraji. Threw that one out there from Bear Island. Can we go next? We're both banged up. We're cramping up as we stand here watching these other events. Can we go next? Absolutely. So, Sarno goes, and he launches it 17 yards. Bang! So, he goes first. He launches it 17 yards. Pete Baraji's up. His max before this was 16 yards when he tested out. He throws it. Boy, is he close, but not close enough. He gets to 16 and a half. So he sets a PR for himself, but he loses to Sarno, and now it's 2-2. Two to two. It's two points for Bear Island, two points for the Flay Man. So the next thing we're going to do is we're going to go to 40-yard sliders. 40-yard sliders. The Flayed Man picks Joe Shalasi. Pretty good at sliders. People have questioned his ability on sliders. Uh, well, two weeks ago, he did a 40-yard slider during another challenge that someone questioned my trigger finger. They said, Coach, there's no way he went that fast. There's no way he got an 18.56 seconds. You are cheating. You're intentionally cheating to let the flayed man win. You're a bad guy. And the person who said that was Jimmy Yuski. 
That's right, two times challenge champ. Jimmy Uski accused me the accusations that I was intentionally letting Joe Shalasi win to let the Flayed Man win. Or maybe he's just saying I am very inconsistent with my trigger finger. Well, as the advanced training gods would have it, who goes against Joe Shalasi? But Jimmy Uski, who is a slider. <laughs> He's one of the best. He's one of the best ever. I, I tip my hat to Jimmy Uski. He's one of the best ever at sliders. I'm pretty good at sliders. He's better than me at sliders. He's, he's, when people say, well, how's your sliders look? You just watch Jimmy Uski go. So they put Uski against Shalasi. Again, this is a head-to-head event. They're going to go on my foot like their defensive lineman going on movement. So they get their feet on the sliders. I kick my foot, and these guys are both shot out of a cannon. It might have been two of the fastest set of sliders I've ever seen. Now, we go fast, we compete, but very seldom do we compete at the simultaneously, where guys are both going at the same time. And man, wow, there's something to it, right? Again, there's, competition makes you better. Competition at the same time must make you even better because they go, and they are literally neck and neck. And Joe Shalasi, Shalasi edges him out by, like, I don't know, a head, like, by 12 inches, it... It was very, very short. And he knocks it out in 16.19 seconds. That's right, 16.19 seconds. So, he beats the guy, right? Yuski's the guy. Him and Galley and Cortese are like the three of the best slider guys we have in the group right now. He beats Yuski, and he beats the time that I was accused of handing him to make things more interesting uh, and advanced training. So I felt vindicated. I felt bad for Yuski because his effort was incredible. But, Yuski, apologies uh, to the... Maybe you need to talk to the advanced training gods because now the flayed men are up 3-2. to two. The flayed men are up 3-2. to two. So here we go. Go to the next event. And again, it doesn't matter what the order of events are. It does not matter. If you're playing along, it doesn't matter. So we go, by the way, that loss for Jimmy Yuski, that was his second loss, and now he is done. Okay, we're going to go to the next event. It's a farmer's walk carry for distance. So now we're not doing it for time. We're carrying it for distance. So Bear Island takes Wallen. Wallen is a guy who's historically picked up the farmer's walk with two hands and like thinks he's blowing out his back when he does it, and he's like worried about doing it. He's like sumo deadlifting it up. But, if you remember two weeks ago, this guy knocked it out of the park holding the Farmer's Walk on a challenge. So, he's got this uh, bravado with him. And he goes against Fred Carpentieri. Yeah, Fred Carpentieri. Why am I repeating that? Because I believe, again, I'm going to go back to my data to make sure I'm not being told that I'm, uh, my statistics are wrong. Yes, Fred Carpentieri, this year's Farmer's Walk leader. He beat Joe Marechko. He's at 49 yards when we're doing our PowerPoints outside. So, Fred goes, Wallen goes... And I'm looking at Pete Baraji, and I told him this afterwards. He's just looking like a, like Bill Belichick watching his players. He he kind of knows the end is is here because as as I don't know as much as Wallen has improved, you're going against the guy Fred Carpentier. You got the best of the best, and they go and Wallen. This is this is game day weight by the way. This is weight we use as a tough man. That that is Wallen traditionally is picked up barely picked up with two hands. And I heard somebody say typical Wallen. He picks it up like water. And he walks with it like water, but Carpentieri's walking with it like it's a feather. So Wallen gets about 20-something yards. He drops it, and now the Flayed Man officially wins 4-2-0. 4-0. So they, sorry, 4-2. Not 4-0. Sorry, Bear Island. But they win. 4-2. Bear, Bear Island, they, 
that's it for them. They don't get the three points for the team victory. Flayed Man gets the, the three points for the team victory. Now, before I get into what happens next, I just will say I'm looking at the 2023 power points, and yes, Yuski has the best distance. For 10, 10 seconds of sliders, he went 27 yards. So he is number one. I talked about Galley. He was 25.5. I talked about Cortese. He was 25. The other guy was Joe Sardo, 26. So again, Shalasi, he beat Yuski. Shalasi got 24.5. So, look, you could say what you want. They went head-to-head. He beat him, but he beat the number one guy in the program at reverse sliders. Now let's get back to the challenge. So, while Bear Island did not win the team challenge, we still got head-to-heads, right? I still need to give the last two guys an opportunity to get points. So our motto is going against Carroll. Now, Carroll has already had two losses at this point, so he should officially be eliminated. But... This is the Achilles challenge. Armada Amato only had one loss going into this. So here we go. They're going to do a 40-yard reverse sled drag. And that sled, I'm trying to remember how much weight on it. I think it was like 160 pounds. Yes, it was 160 pounds on each sled. So they're going to start in the same exact spot where the slider guy started. And we go. I move my foot. They take off. They're doing this reverse sled drag. Again, these guys are close. They're probably within about, I don't know, a half a yard of each other. And Carroll, he ekes it out, and he finishes in, hold off, he finishes in 16.5 seconds. So Carroll gets a win. Armado gets his second loss. And now he is officially eliminated from head-to-head challenges. So (laughs) afterwards, he said, Coach, I lost to a guy who already had two losses. I said, I know, but life's not fair. If life was fair, I'd be six foot one. And then Carol said, if life was fair, you'd be six foot three. Thanks, Carol. I'm just looking for six foot one, man. Anyway, I won't even tell you how tall I am. But uh, it's not good. So that that's it. That's that's the wrap up of this week's challenge. What's pretty sick is that there was massive, massive shifts in the rankings. So for the first time this year, Fred Carpentieri is now the number one seed. He got the three points from his head-to-head. He gets the three, one, three points from the team win. He's sitting at 9-1 with 28 points. So now Galley and Derrida are tied for two. Shalasi moved up from a six seed to a four seed. Moresco moved up from an 11 seed to a six seed. So this was a big day. A lot happened. We had two guys get knocked out, Yuski and Armato. And we had guys make major jumps up. And still... Remember, only the top 12 guys make it into the playoffs. And still, Pete Baraji is flirting dangerously with not making the playoffs. Pete Baraji, the captain, guy got banged up a little bit, tweaked his hamstring. If he's not in the playoffs, we all got to take a long look in the mirror because he had, I, he had, he was in the 30s of points last year. He was, he was in the top four. He might not make the playoffs. This is complete and total insanity. Now, Carroll, on the other hand, I thought he was done. Like, this guy's finished. He's got no shot. But he gets the win for himself and the win for his team. And he's dangerously close to making the playoffs. Yes, glass half full for Carroll. Glass half empty for Baraji. So, good stuff. I also heard a rumor that uh, Joe Sarno... It was not a rumor. He said it. He's back. So now we got another guy in the mix. We got Hezra, who's only one... So the guys who are currently not in the playoffs. Let's go through this right now. The season ended today. You got Baraji, 15 points. Carroll, 14 points. Hezra, 13 points. Sarno, 10 points. We got Mulligan, 9 points. Maggio, 4 points. Statistically, they can all still make it. Statistically, they can all still make it. But, but, I'm going with the guys, Baraji, Carol Hezra. They're like right on the cusp of making it. Maybe Sardo's right on the cusp of making it. Things got interesting with this last challenge. 
And that's why it was done. So for people asking, Coach, why'd you do it like this? Why are you making everything so complicated? One, for my entertainment. And two, hopefully, for yours. Because now things got interesting. We've got two more guys eliminated. Uh, got a new person in first place. It's a beautiful thing. All right, people. Enjoy the rest of your week. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Element. That's L-M-N-T. What's Element? Element is the product that came into my life at exactly the right moment. I've been training hard. I've been sweating like a maniac. But unfortunately, after my sessions, I could never kick that feeling of dehydration. It didn't matter how much water I drank. In fact, the more water I drank, the worse it got. My body was telling me, you need more. You need electrolytes. But I refused to go and buy some sugary sports drink and put that garbage into my body. Enter Element. What's Element? It's a tasty electrolyte drink mix. That's right. I said tasty. They have seven different flavors. My personal favorite is mango chili. But most importantly, it's got no sugar. It's got no gluten. It's got no garbage. It's got no guilt. Take it. You'll feel better. You won't feel like a bum after you drink it. You won't feel any guilt after taking it. To get your element today, go to drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Again, that's drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Get yours today.